I so appreciate getting to be here, and I have so enjoyed it. You know, I come for very selfish reasons. The, I get to be around some of my favorite people, and then I uh, also get to preach the word to get more for, yes, I, I hope you're getting something, but I get something, and I want more and more and more, so get me to church so I can get some more, you know, and so I, I'm, I appreciate getting to be here. I appreciate uh, Dr. and Diana Jacobs. They're, my, 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 they're just irreplaceable in our lives, and we love you so much. And then uh, Pastor Jordan, Pastor Lauren, oh my goodness, aren't they something? You know, if I could have been their age and know what they know. Uh-huh. You know, thank God when you're raised under a godly home and a godly, uh, sit, a godly setting and in the local church, it gives you a head start in the plan of God. And uh, so we're just so thrilled at what God is doing here. You know, the thing God said to me, I remember when my son Grant, he's now 22 years old. When he was 10 days old, I, I was sitting in the, in the den with him and he was asleep in the bassinet. And I looked over at him and when I did, the, the word of the Lord came to me and said, Pastor, And so I've known since he was 10 days old that one day he would pastor the church. And God said to me several years ago, he said, uh, the church will never grow as big under you as it will under him. He said, because pastoring is not your primary call. But he said, pastoring is his primary call. Therefore, it will reach full measure under someone who that is their primary office. So same thing here. Yes, is it, is it? Same thing here. And we're, that pleases us. It doesn't make me think, oh, my gosh, I've been doing it for 25 years and not going to reach at all. Well, Paul said there's so much more in front of him, he hadn't reached it all. And we don't reach all of it alone. We reach it all together. When everyone's in their place and playing their part, then it, we just, our goal is just get to where God has us. However, whoever he uses and however he gets us there, we just want to arrive as a church at the fullness of what God has for this place and the vision for this place. And I, I, I'm so blessed by seeing, uh, you know, it's exciting when you see the next come in line because now you know you're on the course for greater fullness. And uh, and I, I, I just, I, it just thrills me. You know, I take it personally. It's like my children. It's like my children up here. You know, that's what it feels like. It's that dear to you. And uh, I, I appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much to everyone who has helped with these meetings. My goodness, you've treated us so well. You've spoiled us. We, if we could, we'd just hole up there in the, in the hotel and act like we belong here and just, just keep being a part of the church family. But, uh, you know, schedules call for us to move on, but we appreciate the opportunity to be here and that all of those who do so much to help these meetings flow and function. It's just wonderful working together as a family. Amen. 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 I love something Pastor Lauren said. She said, giving is fun. <laughs> now, that's a renewed thought. That's the thought of the renewed mind. 
And uh, so when you give by bringing your supply, just not only your finances, but your supply to the local church, it ought to be fun. And if it's not fun for you, don't let the devil keep cheating you. He's duped you into thinking it's not fun. But I tell you what, everything we get to do for God is fun. The, the fight of faith is fun. It's fun. I, I play this game with Bubby. Bubby's my five-year-old grandbaby. His name is really Liam, but we call him Bubby. And uh, anybody ever played the game where they put their hands on your hands and then you pop them? Come here, Bubby. Let's have some fun. Because I'm faster than him. And I don't let up on him just because he's five. <laughs> you, don't, you don't make a kid strong by letting them win all the time. I'll let you win once, but the rest of the time I'm whooping you all up and down. And why is it fun? Because I know I'm going to come out on top. That's why it's fun. When you give, you know you're going to come out on top. When you bring your supply, you know you're going to come out on top. And when you know you're going to come out on top, it's always fun getting there. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, a few items back at the book table for you. Uh, we have this one. Uh, the Spirit of God spoke in a very specific way to our congregation and said that there's uh, three things that we were to be praying for. And uh, one of the things uh, was this thing called unity. He said, pray that the congregation would be in greater unity. Not because there's strife or division, but because unity means uh, with absolute precision moving together. And uh, he let us know that the greater our unity that's when we're going to have greater manifestations of healings and miracles and signs and wonders. Dad Hagen said this. He said, um, if I, uh, he said, when I do meetings in convention centers, he said, those aren't my strongest meetings. He said, there's too many people there with too many different systems of believing. He said, it's in the smaller crowds when I can get them all in unity of faith. He said, that's when you're going to have your greatest manifestations. He said, the greatest manifestations for the body of Christ should not be in the convention centers, in the arenas. It should be in the local Local church church. because you can get into a greater flow of unity there. And uh, unity is connected to your healing. Yeah. Unity is connected to the miracles that God has for your life. And uh, you know what it says over in James? Pray one for another that you may be healed. That's an act of unity. And your healing's connected to that, you know. So we have out there this series on unity. Uh, I can go back to a, a book table most nearly every time, and this is the one that doesn't sell the most because the title isn't thrilling. <laughs> if I said how to increase your anointing and, and, be, and be a humdinger with God, you know, it would sell. But, uh, yeah, how, yeah, how to make a million by next week. And... Uh, but, but unity is, it affects you. Sure Jesus said, uh, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? If you're going to walk further into what God has for you, there has to be harmony. And uh, so that is out there. Then we have this, the force of faith. I tell you what, you have to fight for your faith. You have to protect your faith. And so, so many people will fight for money. They'll destroy their marriage over money. But they won't give any kind of, any kind of attention to protecting their faith. 
And I tell you, you get into strife and you destroy your faith. Don't do things that are going to hinder and hurt your faith. Protect your faith because it's a force you can't do without. And uh, then we have this one called the pipeline of faith. If you want to get a great handle on faith, this is one of the best teachings on that because uh, it will give you a sound understanding of this wonderful flow of faith. And so that is out there for you. Come here, Pastor Lauren, if you would, love. Um, As you were up there, the Spirit of God said the same. The same that's on a like anointing. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for that teaching anointing. The next... We thank you for it, Father. And acceleration. Acceleration. Acceleration in that gift. I tell you, I so, so value the office of the teacher. Oh, my goodness. I, I have received so much through teachers. Preachers also. But I tell you what, my life has been blessed the most by preachers. Hopefully it's your life too. Thank God for your family. Thank God for people that God's put in your life. But when someone delivers you the word, nothing equals it. Nothing equals that. Amen. So uh, thank God for an acceleration for her in that because learn to learn to just, I know you do, but just uh, learn to prize the office of the teacher, the office, uh, the office of the pastor, all these offices that just, uh, they keep your life in a place where uh, God's best can be had. Amen. Well, we've been thrilled to be able to talk to you about abundance while we've been here. And it never gets old, you know. And uh, my, my congregation, every service, they're turning with me to John 10.10. 10. <laughs> I, I, love, I love the story that one preacher said. Um, he was talking about he was a denominational preacher, but he was a man full of God. And he had preached for two years. Now, he was up in his 70s. And he preached for two years the exact same sermon. Not just the same scripture, the same sermon for two years. And all the time this was going on, his board had been meeting and saying, we think that he's getting feeble in his mind because he doesn't realize that he's been preaching the same sermon for two years. So finally they approached him and they said, Pastor, they said, you have been so faithful to Pastor for so many decades, but we would like to be considerate of you if, we, if you feel like it's time for someone else to help you and assist you in this role. And we can, you know, bring in someone to help with the pastoring of the church so that it doesn't all rest upon you. And uh, he said, well, why are you saying this? And they said, well, we don't know if you realize it, but you've been preaching the same sermon for two years. He said, yeah, and when you get this one, I'll have another one for you. In other words, I'm waiting on you. In other words, you're making me repeat myself. (laughs) Aren't you glad that God repeats himself? 
And we repeat ourselves. And you know, as a parent, you can't raise your family unless you repeat yourself. How many times are you telling the same child, keep your hands off your brother, keep your hands off your sister? Every day you're repeating yourself because their success is tied to repetition. So for uh, every Sunday and even midweek services, all I've been preaching on in our church is abundance. And uh, it's, it's for selfish purposes too. I want, I want to understand that flow more. I want to become more skillful in that flow. I want my thinking to be the thinking of God's definition of abundance and not just the American definition of abundance. Now, I will say this. Americans are the largest thinking people in the world, I believe. Not because I'm American, but because we see that the effects of that. They're the largest thinking people, but they don't even come near to the thinking of the word. Amen. And so as we go day, day in and day out dealing with this flow of abundance, we don't get tired uh, of hearing it because that's the way we get into it. You know, when somebody, when there's a... If you have a walled city and an, and somebody's trying to take possession of that city, you're trying to, you know, there's an enemy in there and they're trying to take possession of that city. Uh, they will get a, a big, you know, I mean in old times, you know, in movie, Hollywood stuff. And they would get this big log and they would just, all these men get hold of it and they just keep banging and keep banging. That's the way I see this. We're banging at ignorance. We're banging at not enough. And we're saying, you're not, you're not holding us out of any more of this inheritance. We just keep plowing away and keep hammering away. Amen. Because the devil can't hold us out, but ignorance will steal everything from us. And so we want to get rid of ignorance. Amen. And it'll never offend God for you to have more. You know, Pastor Lauren was talking about, about uh, prosperity. What, is, what, what measure of prosperity uh, do you, you know, will you receive? Every bit that you desire. Every bit. So increase the desire to have greater prosperity. Amen. And so these, these kinds of meetings, they whet our appetite and they enlarge our asking and enlarge our believing. So let's go ahead and start this morning in John chapter 10, verse 10. We don't want to assume that everyone has been here for the previous services. So we just want to, uh, again, point to this keynote scripture, John chapter 10, verse 10. And Jesus was speaking And he was exposing how the enemy works. He's exposing what the enemy's coming is for. And he says in verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So he's telling us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he coming to steal from us? What's, what's he coming to kill? What's he coming to destroy? The abundant flow of the, of the life of God that's on the inside of us. That's what he's after. He doesn't want you in abundance. He doesn't mind the life of God being in you so long as you don't know about it, so long as you don't let it flow. And so uh, he, he, he wants to keep you out of abundance. Abundance is what keeps you, is what enables you to fulfill the fullness 
of what you're born for. You know, you can have a call on your life, but if you don't have the funding for it, you're, you're not going to be able to fulfill some things. You know, I, I appreciate something in, that I heard Dr. T.L. Osborne say on a, on a tape one day. And I understood what he, say, what, he was, what he meant and how he said it in the context. Now, people who aren't right toward prosperity, they would love to twist it and say, you know, that, that, his, that his heart and motive is wrong. But I love something he said. He said, uh, people like to have me in to preach. He said, because I know how to get the money. Uh-huh. Now, he knows something. What is he saying? I'm skillful at believing God. I know how to believe God. And so if you don't know how to get what it is that belongs to you, it doesn't matter that it belongs to you. And he says, I know how to get the money. What's he saying? I'm I'm skillful with my faith. I'm skillful with my inheritance, and I know how to get it. And that's why people want me in, because they know that I can help them get into what belongs to them. Amen? We ought to be able to say, I know how to get the money. I know how to get healing. I know how. We know it belongs to us, but we know how to become skillful to bring it into manifestation. We know God's the manifester, but we have to do our part so that it can come into manifestation. Amen? And so he said, I know how to get the money. Well, we, ha- we need to be able to say, I know how to get abundance. I know that when a need shows up, I know how to get abundance in the place of that need. Yeah. Right. Amen? Amen. So it, it's, it, it pleases God, as, as Pastor Lauren was saying. God is pleased with that. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't think that as, as a wrong motive. If he's made it yours, it pleases him when you take hold of that. So uh, we, we see this, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, the eternal life, the God kind of life, abundant life, that I've come that you might have the same kind of flow that sustains God's existence. Wow. I've come that you might have that and that you might have it more abundantly, meaning you can't spend it all in one day. It didn't get spent the day you got born again. It is a flow that is enough for every day for the rest of your existence. Listen, this abundant life doesn't stop when your body dies. We're carrying this abundance into eternity and it will sustain us. The beginning of it was when we received Christ on the earth, but it will sustain us through time and then on through eternity. Amen. It's not a different life that we get when we get there. He's not going to start all over with us. He's going to, we're going to see the propelling forward of what we stepped into here. So this abundant life will be carried with us into eternity. Amen. And it'll work some things for us there. Well, let it, let, we need to let it work some things for us here. <laughs> right? Um, now, he said, I've, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So what's the, um, the varying factor in this is you. The life is always the same. The life of God never varies, it never, it never diminishes, it, it, it never decreases. It's always the same. But the variable is us. What are we going to do with it, right? Um, so we, we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing toward this abundant flow of the life of God that's in us. 
And what will the life of God do for us? Well, Pastor Lauren basically prefaced it by talking about prosperity and all that's contained in it. I mean, the blessing of the Lord. Yes. That's, that's, that is the blessing of the Lord is an outflow of the life of God. Yeah. And you get under that life and the blessing is there contained in that life, you see. And so all that she talked about, all of that is part of uh, what belongs to us in this abundant life. Amen. And it belongs to us in an abundant measure. Not just a little bit of healing, an abundant measure of healing. Not just a little bit of supply, an abundant measure of supply. And in an overflowing situation. See, God, God has in mind for us overflowing. Abundance is not something that can be contained in a vessel. It, it, you know, if, 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 a, if, if you fill up a glass with water and it comes to the top, that's not abundance, that's fullness. But abundance is when the fullness can't even hold it. That it's just spilling over, spilling over, till health is spilling over, supply spilling over, joy spilling over. Amen. And then when something tries to get near it, what has spilled over uh, trumps it. And it can't reach you. You know, when Ed went home to be with the Lord, grief couldn't reach me because something else was spilling over on it. You know, I'm facing legal situations. You know, you have to go through legal situations with the with the plane crash and all that. And, and so people that, you know, are responsible and, you know, and uh, having court cases and things. And uh, so one, one party that is being sued, they uh, said, we want to know what's your emotional damage. I'm going to have a hard time telling that. They want to know if I was on medication. They want to know what kind of medical treatment I've had. They want to know what kind of psychiatric treatment I've had. And so my attorney, you know, he put down in filling it out, he filled it out for me as much as he could. And then he says, you, you read it and then you change it or add to it, subtract from it. But I'll, I put a, a standard answer for you. And, and, uh, and he, he wrote down, which, you know, is correct. According to the world's definition, he wrote down, I have suffered great sorrow and grief and uh, the loss of this and that and that. And I, and I, and I had to take a pen and scratch it out. <laughs> Because I've got to get on a, I've got to get on a stand and testify yeah. to this at some point. And I can't, I'm not going to get up there and lie and have money awarded to me based on me pretending. But I did say I suffered great tragedy and great loss. Great loss. But I, I, I just can't buy into these other words because I've got something else working for me. I could have done all this other... I, the opportunity was there, yeah. Yeah. Sure. but I have responsibilities and I have yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So knowledge won't let me go there. And I have an overflow of something yeah. that when sorrow and grief tries to come, it gets swallowed up by the overflow. Yeah. You understand that? That's what Jesus has in mind for you, the abundance yeah. of peace, the abundance of joy. All this belongs to you. To have a sad day is to live less than the abundant life. To have a worried day, you're out of the flow of abundance. To have a day uh, driven by fear, you're out of the flow of abundance. Because abundance doesn't flow you into that. It, It overcomes all of that. It flushes all that out. It doesn't 
it doesn't bring it in to you. So know this, if you're having a worried day, wait a minute, you're, you're, you're choosing something less than abundance. So correct yourself. Get back into that flow of abundance with your thinking, with your speaking, with your actions. Uh, but here, it, the variable is us. It's not the eternal life of God. That's not the variable. And if abundance is flowing is not the variable, we're the variable. So we have to make sure we're in position to stay in that flow of abundance. We have to make sure. Because we can take ourselves out of position to where abundance is not flowing. Uh, so I'm going to talk to you about five things to, uh, that will um, put you in position or take you out of position for abundance. How about that? I have ten, but I'm only going to have time for five. The others, uh, if you'll do these five, the, the ten will get addressed at some point. Um, and you say, well, what do you mean to uh, be in position or qualify? You know, I, all of us probably, most of us in here probably have a cell phone. Yes. I have a cell phone. In the house I just moved out of, there was one place over in the kitchen that you could go, and there was one place by the door you could go, and there's one place you could go in the office if you put it right up next to the window and lift a leg, you know. <laughs> get it real close to the window and you could get somewhat of a signal. But if you got anywhere else in the house, it dropped. You dropped your, you dropped your signal, dropped your call. Well, I, even if I was in a place in the house where I wasn't getting a signal, I still had a phone. I still had a service plan. I didn't lose my phone. I didn't lose my service plan, but I'm out of position. See, you don't lose the blessing. You don't lose the eternal life. You don't lose abundance. It's still yours. You're not having to earn it. You understand me? You're not earning it. It's always yours. It's always yours. But things can be done in your life that takes you out of position that what is yours can't reach you. You understand that? So I'm not talking about the works of the flesh to earn abundance. I'm talking about staying in position so that abundance can always reach your need. So the first thing, and we touched on it, uh, I think, I don't know what service, on a previous (laughs) service. Uh, We touched on it, what God said to me years ago when I started pastoring because I was teaching on prosperity. And after about the third or fourth week of preaching on it, God spoke to me and said, you're going to have to back up. In other words, he didn't like me going that direction that far. He said, you're going to have to back up because he said, until you teach these people to walk in love in their home, they don't qualify for Bible prosperity. Bible prosperity. Now, see, I'm not talking about human one prosperity. I'm talking about Bible prosperity, which is a whole different thing, whole different thing. So he said, until they learn to walk in love in their home, they don't qualify. What's that mean? They're not in position. Qualifying means getting you in position. If you get into a fuss with your spouse, you are now out of position. You understand that? I've always made this statement to our congregation. Before you start fussing with your spouse, ask yourself, do I have enough cash to fund this fight? Because 
all that's, all that's going to be coming to my life is what I've currently got. And then not only that, the devil's going to steal what I got because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy what I've even got in manifestation. So, and I would tell him this, you do not have enough funds to fund this strife. I don't care how much you've got in savings, there is not enough because this will rob everything from you. So, if you will walk in love, it keeps you in position so that abundance can always reach you. And when you have a need, you better make sure you're in position. Check your love walk when a need shows up. Am I treating everyone in line with the word? Am I being right toward my boss? Am I being right toward my spouse? Am I being right toward my local church, toward my pastor, toward the brethren? Am I being right? Dad Hagen said anytime physical situations would try to attach themselves, he said the first place I always checked is my love walk. He said I rely more on my love walk to keep me healed than healing scriptures. Because he knew this. If you get out of love, no healing scripture going to work for you, baby. Love keeps you in position. As you grow up and, and grow and develop in Christ and renew your mind, your love walk should grow. I mean, you should be able to say this year, honey, you better be glad I grew. Because that, converse, that statement right there you just made last year, I would have been down on the mat with you on that one. But this year, I grew. I'm still standing. And your head is not in a, a vice grip because I'm in love. I'm staying in position because I need abundance. And you need to remind each other if one tries to pick up there, wait a minute, honey, we can't go there. If we start getting into this, we're cutting off our abundance. Let's not go there. I know that you're under pressure. I know that I feel the pressure and financially there may be pressure or other ways there may be pressure. But honey, if we get out of love, there is no help from God for this. Because it's not that God doesn't send help. We take ourselves out of position to even receive the help He wants. He is sending our way. So you're going to have to do a, 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 a sound check on one another and say, honey, we, let, let's not do this. Let's not do this. Let's not pick at each other. Let's not have harsh work. Let's not do this. We need abundance more than we need to win the fight. Amen. <clears throat> when co-workers are sitting in the lunchroom talking bad about another co-worker or about their boss, you better keep on walking and say, I can't even get in there because if I get in that conversation, I move out of position wow. for abundance to reach me. And no gripe is worth sacrificing my abundance. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, walking in love, and we could stay on this for about a whole nother conference, you know, <laughs> couldn't we? Uh, what about, you want to make sure, Dad Hagen said this, he always reminded us of this. He said, before you do anything, ask yourself, how's this going to affect the other fellow? He said, before you do anything, ask yourself, how's this going to affect my local church? I, uh, I had to deal with a situation of a young man who decided to go back into a lifestyle of sin, w- walked away from his, his, his wife, his baby, 
And then he had his own business. And so as he walked away, he was hiring people out of our congregation and then pumping all of his uh, perverted thinking into them Mm -hmm. and distorting them. And I had to call, I called him up. And I said, now, if you, want, if you want to walk away from your wife and your son, that, that's your decision. But I will not let you grab other people out of the congregation and take the journey with you. Don't you hire another person out of my congregation. You are not, you are not welcome to come into our congregation and try to further your business and sacrifice our young people so that your business can, can flourish and then you pump your wrong thinking. You're, you're not pulling other people, no. not even thinking. Now I'm living out of a car, you know, yep. lost, lost the home, lost the family, lost total visitation rights to the child, lost, lost yep. everything, mm. lost everything because he didn't think, how is what I'm going to do going to affect my local church? You can't damage people in the body of Christ and think you're in position for God's help. Wow. You're out of position. Right. I tell you what, it, with reverence and fear, you ought to approach how you handle one another and how you handle the local church. Conversations around the, around the dinner table. You better stop your children real quick if they get a gripe about somebody in the church or stop your spouse real quick if they get a gripe about somebody in the church. You're not, I'm not putting up with that stuff in my home. We're not doing this around this table. You're not doing it. You just keep your little trap shut. It'll cost you more than you ever know. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I remember I drove up one years ago. There was a, a, a man that was on staff with us, and he was a blessing to me. He was a help to me. But I drove up in the parking lot one day, and as soon as my tires came up to the curb to park in my parking space, the word of the Lord came to me and said, when you get in there, let such and such go. And I said, I was stunned. I said, why is that, God? I said, he's a blessing to me. You know, he's a help around here. He's very low maintenance. I don't have to tend to him all the time. He, he, he's easy to work with. He's a joy to work with. And he said, his wife badmouths people in the church, and he won't tell her to shut up. Uh-oh. Wow. He won't stop her. And he's over that family, and he lets her do that. He's not qualified. He is dismissed. Not because he did anything wrong, but he would not stop those under his authority from doing it wrong. And I I went in that day and I let him go. I didn't tell him why because it wouldn't have helped. He had already disqualified himself, you see. Mm -hmm. And uh, within a few short months, they were divorced and the family fell apart and everything fell apart. Why is it? Because someone who was in charge wouldn't say, not in this house. Joshua stood up and said, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. When someone is talking against the brethren, they're not serving the Lord doing that. No, they're not. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. This is all connected to abundance, you see. It's wrong for us to say, believe for abundance, believe for abundance, and not tell you what to do to not violate the abundance. Because you're not going to have abundance unless things are in position. Amen. Abundance belongs to you, but you've got to be in position. So the first thing is walking in love. This cannot be overstated. The second thing, if you would, uh, if you would turn with me to um, Matthew chapter thirteen. <clears throat> Matthew chapter thirteen. 
In this passage, we see uh, the parable of the, the, uh, the sower sowing the seed and harvest, and there's four different kinds of ground. And there's so much of a sermon even in this, but because of time's sake, we can't touch on all of this. But Jesus said there's four types of ground. Remember, there are only three of the four types of ground won't even produce any fruit. The fourth kind of soil that he talked about, when he's talking about ground, he's talking about the soil of a person's heart. He's talking about their spirit man. And he said that there's one kind of soil that will produce, and even that one will produce at different percentages. So he's telling this parable about how to be someone that's going to be a fruit producer who's going to bear fruit in their life for God. And then he makes this statement in verse 9 after he says this. And in verse 9, so he says, and I'm going to read out the Amplified, Matthew 13, 9. He who has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. So the number two thing that's so important to walking in abundance is this thing that he said here. You better be someone who listens. Now go down to verse 12. And again, I'm going to read out the Amplified. Remember, he's talking about listen to what he's teaching you. Listen to what he's teaching you. How to be someone who bears fruit. Then verse 12, he says, For whoever has spiritual knowledge... To him will more be given and he will be furnished richly so that he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So him who doesn't even have ears to hear, whatever he misses hearing, he's going to even lose what he has. If you want to be in position for abundance, you better be someone who listens to someone who knows. You listen to the word. You listen to God. You listen to the Holy Ghost. You listen to your pastor. He is a divine connection in your life. He is a mouthpiece for God. Well, God can talk to me. Yeah, but he talks to us through men. Not all men, but divine connections in our life. I love something I heard one pastor say. He said years ago, because he's hooked up with this ministry, he said years ago, God said to him, I have many things to say to you. But he said, to hear everything I'm going to say to you, you're going to have to be in the services where your pastor is because much of what I'm going to say to you, I'm going to say through his mouth. What's that mean? It's not all going to be heard in your private time. You're going to hear it from the pastor that God put over your life, yet it will bear witness with your spirit when you hear that. But you will never arrive at full knowledge of what God's saying to you till you get under a pastor and pay attention and until you be someone who listens. Listen, I know what it means not to listen. I was bullheaded growing up, and all former bullheaded people can now raise their hand. And that's why we made our way hard. Yeah. We, we made our way hard being bullheaded. But for so, at some reason, at some place, I began to see, it's just better to listen and say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, instead of feeling like I won. Right. Right. I got my way. I was a type, if you told me to go left, I'm going right. You told me to go up, I'm going down. 
You told me to go, you told me go north, I'm going south. That was the way I was because you're not going to do my thinking for me. Well, that works good when it comes to the devil, but not good when it comes to God and being taught. So I finally matured and grew up a little bit and I began to listen and I paid attention that if I would just listen to somebody, I would avoid a lot of personal hard knocks. Yeah. As in pastoring, I, in October, it'll be my 25th year of pastoring. And in, in pastoring over the years, there have been many times that God has had me to talk to young people and even middle-aged people who were getting ready to marry or considering, and God would check them. Be careful who you marry. Out of 25 years, there are three that listened. Three. All three of those are still connected with us. All the other ones, uh, most of the other ones are not even connected. Some are still connected, but they have severe problems in their home. God wasn't trying to take from them something. He was trying to keep them from hardship that they were going to encounter by being by settling for something different than what he had in mind for them. And what is it? Dad Hagen sat in our back room when he came and preached at our church and said this. Here he was, 86 years old, and he said to us, most people don't listen. Now, that's 86 years of a man's life telling us the problems with most people. They don't listen. I tell you what, most problems in our life could be cured if we'd listen. Amen. If you want to be someone who has abundance flowing, you better be someone who listens to somebody who knows more than you. And the important thing, you also have to know who to listen to. Because you can listen to family that loves you dearly and they, they can end your life up in the wrong place. Yes. Yes. You don't listen to someone just because they love you. Yeah. You listen to someone because they had the counsel of God in their mouth. So sometimes as you grow up, you have to quit listening to people you listened to when you were young. Not that you dishonor anybody, but God will now put someone in your life who has the counsel of God in their mouth, and you have to know who to listen to. Amen? Now, turn with me, if you would. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Notice here what Jesus said that to the person who listens, he's going to have more. In fact, the Amplified said he'll have abundance. It used the word abundance is what the person who listens to will have. But he said the person who doesn't listen, even what they do have, they're losing it. They might not lose it today, but down the road, they're going to lose it. And here it says in, in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 6, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. If you don't have an Amplified, you may just want to listen to how this reads. Uh, Proverbs 14 verse 6, A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, for his very attitude blinds and deafens him to wisdom. But knowledge is easy to him who being teachable understands. Notice this, if you be teachable, life will be easy for you. But if you're going to be a scoffer, if you're going to sit and mock when somebody gives you the answer and you just dismiss it, 
you don't take it in, life's going to be hard for you. And he said, wisdom is not even possible for a person like that. They won't even have it. Because wisdom comes to listeners. Wisdom comes to those who not only... I've, I've coined this thing for me in pastoring. I call it polite rebellion. Meaning people will come in and counsel with me and they'll say, Pastor, what's your counsel? And I'll give them counsel. And not just my word, but many times it's the counsel of the Spirit Mm -hmm. that He'll help them. And they'll shake their head and go, oh, thank you so much and agree and go out and do exactly opposite. Your politeness does not mean you're listening. Just because you have good manners doesn't mean you're a listener. There are a lot of people who sit and say amen in the sermon to the pastor and don't go out and don't be a doer. You're not a listener. I don't care that you were polite to God in church. I don't care that you were polite to the pastor. If you're going to be a listener, that means you're a doer. You are a doer. If you're not a doer, you didn't listen. I don't care that you could repeat what was said. I watched the other day... uh, Stephen said to Bubby, you know, he's five. And Bubby, he's, he's the most like Stephen when Stephen was little, but Stephen was the turbocharged, amplified version. I, I felt a little cheated that God didn't give him exactly what he was. Because Bubby's the scaled-down version. Thank God for Morgan's genes that God in, in, interjected into this. But uh, Stephen told Bubby, Bubby, go move your, go out in front and get your bicycle. Move it from in front of the driveway. Go put it in the garage. And so Bubby, you know, his, his, his eyes are just going and his feet are just going and his body just going. And, and Stephen grabbed him and said, come here. Come here. Wait, come here. Repeat to me what I just said to you. And he goes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he repeated it. The only thing is, although he could repeat it, after Stephen told him to do something, he went the other direction. He's not going out the front. He's going out the side door. But his bicycle's out the front. See, just because you heard it and could repeat it doesn't yeah. mean you listened. Yeah. There's a lot of people that say, Amen, love that, Pastor. That's right, preach that. And go out and live the same way they did before they came in the building. You don't listen. That's why people do not get in position to receive abundance because they won't make changes that move them into that flow of abundance. you got to be a listener. Uh, there was a man who was Dr. Sumrall's administrator. I probably have told this here, but you need to hear it. You need to listen. Dr. Sumrall's administrator, and he was a Holy Ghost man. If you could keep up with Dr. Sumrall, you had the might of the Spirit. And he was, he was a sharp fella. Well, he told me one day, he said, Dr. Summerall took me to a meeting, a luncheon that he had with Oral Roberts. Him and Brother Roberts were meeting over some kind of business. And uh, he said, so Dr. Summerall and I got there early to lunch. And we were seated at the table waiting for Brother Roberts to arrive. And when Brother Roberts arrived, he had his financial man with him. And so they came up to the table and we all stood up and we shook hands. And he said, now, he said we had never met his financial man because he's a staff member, Owa Robert's financial man. And he said, uh, so we exchanged introductions. And as soon as the introductions were done, 
Dr. Sumrall looked straight at Oral Roberts and pointed to the financial man that was accompanying him and looked straight at Oral Roberts, held his hand, shaking his hand, and says, don't you know this man's going to hurt you? First time he ever laid eyes on him. He knew that by the Spirit. Oral Roberts, being a spiritual man, recognized the Spirit at work. Oral Roberts was in his 70s at the time. Oral Roberts, now Dr. Summerall had a worldwide ministry. Oral Roberts probably was more of a public figure than Dr. Summerall. But although Oral Roberts' name had gone further in the public, did not mean that he thought himself uh, to not be in position to listen. So when Dr. Summerall said to him, pointed at the, right in front of him, I love, I love that. <laughs> as long as you're not on the other end of that, you know. But if God did something so dramatic, this man was dangerous. He wasn't just somebody, he was highly dangerous. So uh, Dr. Summerall points says, don't you know this man's going to hurt you? And Oral Roberts, without pause, without fail, turned to the man and said, you're fired. Just like that. Now we know why the man had such greatness in him. He listened. He was a listener. As soon as he heard it, he turned and did it. You see that? I tell you what, you need to be a listener. When your boss tells you to do it, yes, sir. When, when your pastor says something, yes, sir, I'm hooking my faith onto that instead of evaluating. Instead of inserting your opinion. You're not a listener. When your first thought is to bring your opinion, you're not, you're not a listener. And abundance won't be able to reach you. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's the word. So there we go with number, what is that? Two. Okay, we'll go quickly through these other three and thank God we're not addressing ten. <coughs> Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to start reading I'm going to start reading in I I believe verse 21 No, we'll start at verse 19. This is the passage where the master is leaving for a time and he gives five talents to one servant. He gives two talents to another servant and one talent to the third servant. So he, in verse 19, it says this. It says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them, meaning they're, they're to give an account of what they did with what he entrusted to them. And so verse 20, and so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained. Look at that. I have gained. Beside them five talents more. And his, ser- and his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What does a good and faithful servant do? They gain. They gain. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. What is the reward of faithfulness? More. When you're faithful, the way God rewards you for your faithfulness, he gives you more to be faithful with. 
Then he says this, Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Verse 22, He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me two talents. Behold, I have what? Gained. Two other talents beside his Lord said unto him, Well done, a good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over what? Many things. In other words, you're coming into more too. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. The, okay, all right. His approach is he approaches his master with negative observations and accusations against his master. Notice the others just come up and brought what they gained. This one came up with a fault-finding attitude. I know you. You're hard. You expect a lot. Well, that's not called hard. That's called expecting a lot. You know, some people say, oh, my gosh, that person's so hard to work for. If you demand excellence, they call you hard because their level is so low that they accuse you because they won't come up. So it's not, it's not a bad thing when you're accused of that. So he said, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. So he starts his unfaithfulness with an accusation against his leader. I knew thee that thou art a hard man reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. Now, now we got the problem. Now, now we're talking the real problem. You are fearful. So it's not that I'm hard. It's that you are driven by fear. You're dominated by fear. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Look at this. Calls him wicked and slothful. He still got what he gave him. He didn't even lose anything. But the master said, just maintaining what you have is unfaithfulness. Wicked and slothful, just because you only maintained what I gave you, you brought nothing more. You didn't gain, you didn't add to. It looks the same as when I gave it to you. So he called being unfaithful Someone who brought no increase. Listen, when you get on the job, your department should increase because you showed up. Well, you don't understand. My boss isn't saved. I said when you get on the job, you should bring God with you, bring your faith with you. Doesn't matter whether he's saved or not. You're saved. God expects you to bring your best and there ought to be increase of everything you set your hand to. Amen? And so he goes on and he says in this, in verse 26, he said, uh, his Lord answered and said unto him, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I'm not strawed. In other words, since you knew my level of expectation, you're out of your own mouth said, you knew my level of expectation and you didn't meet my level of expectation. And he said this, Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers and then on my coming I should have received mine own with usury. 
Take, therefore, the talent from him. Isn't that what Jesus said? The ones who don't listen, they'll even have what they have is going to be taken from them. Whoever said that it was the devil going to take it? Sometimes God will redistribute what was intended for someone. You know, Catherine Coleman got up and she made this statement. She said, I was not God's first choice for the ministry I'm in. She said, he went to six others before he came to me. How did she know that? God told her evidently. What is that? He redistributed. They did, he didn't take it from them. They were out of position to operate in it. And he's not going to leave it inoperative. That's right. Everything God has works. And if you don't work, he moves it to the, work, to the working position. That's right. And whoever's the working position is the faithful person. That's right. Amen. So he said, verse 28, Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have what? Abundance. Abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. So we see this, that faithfulness puts you in position for abundance. If you're unfaithful, you're not in position. If you're assigned to show up, at a certain post in the ministry of helps and you don't show up, you're out of position. It matters. What does it matter if I, if I don't show up this week? Because your faithfulness is at stake. What about, uh, let me tell you there about a fellow that was in our church, still in our church. He's been with us for years. Uh, he's in the Navy. And he... Uh, we didn't know, we didn't realize this. Somebody told us. But he had, he was assigned to a certain post on Sunday morning there on base, which is about an hour and a half away where the base was from our church. So Sunday morning he had to be at his post. But he had been scheduled to be in children's. And it, it, it wasn't even children's church. It was to set up the room, get the curriculum ready and all that. So he was scheduled for the organization for the children's church that morning that was to happen at 9. Ten is, at 10 is when we have our service. So he was down there in an hour and a half away, got in the car, drove up to the church, put everything in organization for the 10 o'clock teacher, drove back to San Diego to be back at his post. When our department had found out about it, we go, you could have called us. We did not mean for you to be inconvenienced. This man has nine children. Oh, my gosh. So we know he's got a full schedule. And we said, you please, next time something like that happens, tell us. He said, I would never tell you. You scheduled me. You appointed me. I will be where I am appointed to be. You understand? Military thinking. Military, Military thinking. You don't argue with the boss when you're assigned to a post. That's right. Now, right after that, the staff came to me and said, Pastor, you may want to acknowledge this in service. They said, we just found out that this man was awarded 
by an act of Congress, the sailor of the year for the entire Navy of the whole United States. It was an, all of Congress had to see the list of people who were submitted as sailor of the year. They had to review it and pick one and they picked him by act of Congress. Is there any, re, any, any question that we see that this man out of the entire U.S. Navy is awarded the Sailor of the Year by an act of Congress because his faithfulness showed up even in his local church. This is what I'm talking about, abundance. Amen. And in fact... The Sen- John McCain was scheduled to fly in to personally present and be at the ceremony of his recognition because he said, I have seen your name. He says, I recognized your name from another report. And he says, if this man is on this report twice, I want to meet this man. And so this man, he was scheduled to be there. To You see the level, yeah. the level. But notice the thinking He didn't think, oh, it's inconvenient for me. Let me dismiss myself from my ministry of helps post. I tell you what, faithfulness is not moved by inconvenience. Faithfulness is not about what's convenient. It's not about what's easy. It's about what is expected, what has been assigned to you. Do you know in my local church, I don't call them volunteers. You know, volunteers in the world's mentality carries the idea of optional. I call them appointees. In the local church, you're an appointee. I appointed you. The pastor appointed you for this position. Because Paul said, I am appointed a preacher and a teacher. He said, God appoints me. He doesn't doesn't have a volunteer fivefold. You're appointed. And you show up for that appointment or you don't. And those who show up are blessed and those who don't show up, it shows that they didn't show up. And so that's the way we call it. I mean, that's just personally because I want them to know there's weight with this. With this office that they do, with this function, it's not a light thing. The military doesn't do anything greater than the local church does in the sense of we are God's soldiers. Amen. Hallelujah. And if we treat it lightly, they'll treat it lightly. If we treat it with weight, we'll impart that to them. Amen. So the first thing is what? Walk in love. The second thing is what? Listen. Be teachable. Easy to lead. The third thing is what? Let me tell you. Let me, let's talk about faithfulness just for a real quick second further. That means... If you're faithful, you're faithful in every arena. Every arena. If you're only faithful to the pastor but not faithful to the department head, you're not faithful. Because faithfulness isn't selective. It's faithful as a flow of its life. It can't help but be faithful. If you're faithful to your, to your pastor, you, you need to be faithful to your boss, faithful to your spouse, faithful to your children. You're faithful. You're just faithful. <laughs> what about faithful to take care of what's in your possession? What about taking care of your home? What about taking care of your car? What about taking care, what about taking care of that apartment you live in, not tear it up just because you're, you're not the landlord? Listen to these men were rewarded or penalized, so to speak, based on how they handled what was in their possession. Faithfulness is seen by how you handle what's in your possession. 
If you are living in a home and it looks worse when you move out, guess what? If your car looks like a moving trash can, guess what? If you let your if you let things around you dilapidate and fall down, if you're unfaithful with possessions, there's no more for you. How are you ever going to believe God with full faith for the next house when you're complaining about the one you're in? Not going to happen. If you want God to give you the next, get faithful with the one you're in. Get faithful with the two talents you have, the five talents you have, the one talent you have. Every day of your life, Father, I believe you for the next home. Thank you for this home. This home is a blessing to me. I'm grateful for it. You say, well, it's not a blessing to me. I don't like it. Listen, you better, you better change your thinking. Anything that puts a roof over your head is a blessing to you. It might not be your dream home, but it is a supply. Amen. And if you're going to gripe about the car, quit, forget, forget about confessing for a new one until you can get grateful for the one you've got. Why would God give someone who's complaining and ungrateful for what they have? Why would he give them more? I mean, we do that with our children, don't we? I mean, you buy the kids a bicycle and, and uh, you know, a week later, they've left it out in the rain, sitting out by the curb. They didn't even bring it up on the porch. And, you know, you see them, they don't even put the kickstand up. They just throw it down, let it drop, and they don't bring it in at night. And then they say, can I have a skateboard? Are you kidding me? If you can't take care of what you've got, why am I going to go buy you more? Don't we do that with our children? You think you're smarter than God? If you don't take care of what you've got, how do you ever think you're in position for God to give you more? How you treat what's in your current possession determines what's coming next. Praise the Lord. Uh, Then then real quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Are you getting help today? Because this is part, it's not the... It's not the flashy part of abundance, but it's the foundational part. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified again. Verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. That's That's not me. That's what the Bible says. Remember this. The Amplified says, remember this. Why does God start something with remember this? Because this is what people forget. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Let me just say something about this thing, prompt-to-do-it. God's been training me more in this prompt-to-do-it part. You know how he's been training me? Can I tell you what his training method has been like? Because I, I, it dawned on me after three times of him doing it. I go, uh-oh, this is the method of training. He would deal with me. It's just something I would just have a, just kind of an impression to give somebody money. <clears throat> but I would kind of sit on it for a couple of days and just say, I'm just going to let that, you know, kind of roll around, make sure I'm getting it clear. And uh, so I would delay maybe, you know, a couple days or a week. And there have been times even, you know, I forgot to give it to them. And, 
you know, and it'd be a month later or something. And I would go, oh, oh, oh God, I'm going to give him that. I'm going to give him that. And I'd go to pull out the money to give it, and God says, double it. Wow. He wasn't saying double it for their benefit. He was saying double it for this is the interest. You waited too long. I told you weeks ago to do this. If it would have been your need, you'd wanted somebody quick to do it. And he said, you delayed because it wasn't your need. Praise the Lord. So God's done that now to me three times to where when I go to do it and I didn't realize, he would tell me double it every time. I go, my gosh, I want to keep something on my land. So what's he doing? He's training me that if there's going to be a penalty. See, when you grow up, God expects more of you. So I'm getting more prompt to do it. God loves a prompt to do it giver, not someone who waits long enough hoping God will forget. (laughs) He's unwilling to abandon or do without a, a cheerful, joyous prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving, not his, not his uh, complaint is in his giving, not his wish I could keep. If you, if you give wishing you could keep it, something's off. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. So the fourth thing that puts you in position for abundance is you have to be generous. If you're not generous, abundance will not be able to reach your life. So how many of you know it's not just being generous, it's also being cheerful. It's also being prompt with your generosity. Then go with me and we'll close with this. Deuteronomy chapter 28. This will be the fifth thing. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I think this one is so key to even all of them. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And again, I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified. If you don't have an Amplified, you may just want to listen. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. Again, the Amplified says this, Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness of mind and heart in gratitude For the abundance of all with which he has blessed you, therefore you shall serve your enemies. The fifth thing to qualify and be in position for abundance is you have to be joyful and you have to have gratitude. If you will start, you say, well, I'm joyful. Well, if nobody knows it, you're probably not. (laughs) If you've got to tell someone you're joyful... You're probably not. We are not only to say we're joyful, there needs to be expressions of joy. Now, notice I didn't say feelings of joy. Expressions of joy. Now, here he says this in the Amplified. Listen to the wording. 
He said, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness of mind and heart in gratitude for the abundance of all with which he had blessed you. Notice, with every, you're to be joyful and grateful for all that he's blessed you with. Yes. It doesn't say you're to be joyful and grateful for all that's manifested. Yes. He said for what you've been blessed with. What have we been blessed with? We've been reading it in previous services, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, who has blessed us with everything that heaven itself enjoys. He has blessed us with all these things, whether all of them have manifested or not, we're still blessed with them. And we're to be joyful. He's telling us how to bring what we've been blessed with into manifestation, rejoicing, joy. Amen. Amen. So you say, well, pastor, you know, I've needed finances and and that it just hadn't come. Well, you've been blessed with it. The money you need, you've already been blessed with. You understand that? The money you need, you've already been blessed with it. He's already assigned it to you. How do you bring it into manifestation? He's telling you how. Joy, being rejoicing and being grateful, not complaining about it not showing up, but saying, Father, I'm so grateful you blessed me with everything. You have blessed me with all that heaven is enjoying. Heaven's enjoying total provision. Thank you that I am blessed with total provision. This need in my life has total provision right now. Thank you, Father, for it. I rejoice for it. I thank you, Father. I'm so grateful that you pay attention to all that my needs call for. You start doing that, and that will start, that will cause God to be able to bring into manifestation what He's already blessed you with. Did you know He's already blessed you with healing, whether or not you're healed? Whether or not that pain or pain or symptom has left, He's already blessed you with healing. Don't we know that? He's blessed you with everything you're ever going to need. But you have not even moved into all he's blessed you with. You haven't moved into what he's blessed you with for for Monday. You haven't moved into what he's blessed you with for Tuesday. You know, it says over in the Psalms, it says uh, that God loads us daily with benefits. Every day has its own benefits. So there are already benefits assigned to every day of your future. You haven't even experienced it yet, but he's already blessed you with it. It still belongs to you. Benefits that, that he said loads us daily. Why does he do it daily? Because one day is not enough to hold the load. The load is so great that it cannot be dispensed to us in one day. It's going to take every day of our life to walk into the load he's blessed us with. It is so great. And then when you're joyful, you keep the enemy from stealing what you've been blessed with. Notice he said, because you did not. You weren't joyful and grateful for what he's blessed you with. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies. If you'll rejoice, it closes the door to the enemy. If you don't rejoice, it opens the door to the enemy. Amen. I've learned this, and you can see this. If you will have expressions of joy, God will get in those expressions. 
Haven't you sat around a dinner table and listened to somebody talk about something sad? I mean, they can talk about the economy. They can talk about how things are getting worse. And by the time you're done, you're so full of fear. And, oh, my gosh, I better go buy me some gold coins. And, you know, because the, the, the cash is going to crash. And, you know, you can get all this stuff. You know, people sit around and talk about it. And that stuff will start getting in you. And fear will start getting in. And because of how what you're expressing, the devil will hook in on that. And he'll start fear get hold of you and everything else listen let me let me just give you a clue dad Hagen used to remind us all the time it's going to get darker and darker in the world but brighter in the church yeah the world's going to get darker but not for us it's going to get better for us amen it's going to get better but if you start expressing worry You start expressing fear. You start expressing depression. The devil will get in those expressions, won't he? You start talking about worry at the dinner table. I just don't know what we're going to do. You start doing that, and the devil will get in that expression. But if you start expressing joy for what you've been blessed with, God will get in that. Amen. You decide what you're going to express, and then that determines who's going to move. Amen. Amen. Well, what are expressions of joy? Hallelujah. <laughs> what are expressions of joy? Well, isn't laughter one of them? Yes. Laughing? Yes. What about singing? Yes. What about dancing? I mean, I have stood, I have, I have stood by a pie. Put my fork in the middle of it. Don't even, don't even wait for a piece. Just put my fork in a minute and go, oh, oh, my gosh, that's good. <laughs> Haven't you ever done that over something good? <laughs> you know, doing something. Why? Because it hit your sweet spot there, you know. <laughs> you expressed delight. Isn't that right? Haven't you? The other day, Grant, who is my son, my youngest son, told Bubby and Bear. Now, Bubby's five and Bear is three. And he told them, uh, now these are Stephen's boys, but Grant said, I'm going to take the two of you to the zoo. So he showed me, <clears throat> you know, on face, FaceTime, uh, I was on the road, and so Grant said, look at these, look at these boys here, because they were at the office, and Grant called them together and said, on Saturday, I'm going to take you to the zoo. And Bubby just starts screaming and jumping up and running and doing flips on the floor. And so Bear took off, he's three, took off running and screaming and doing flips on the floor. And they're just so excited. They're going to the zoo. It hadn't manifested yet. But they've been blessed with a trip to the zoo, although they're not yet at the zoo. You get it? You've been blessed with everything that heaven itself enjoys, although you might not be stepping into it at this moment. The trip is on, baby. (laughs) It's yours. It's as good as yours. So they're running and jumping and expressing delight. Now, one time I said to Grant, he was probably, I don't remember how old he was. I think he was 12. And he said, and I said to him, I'm thinking about taking you to Disneyland next weekend. Oh, okay. And I thought, we're done. <laughs> if that, if it doesn't thrill you any more than that, I don't need to go. Yeah. <sighs> Hello. 
because it's an hour from where we live, but it's packed all the time. So I knew right there by the way he expressed it was not important to him. So I said, well, why don't we just do something different? That's fine. That's fine. We'll do something. I go, thank God I got out of that. (laughs) Why? His expression let me know his value on it. So Grant was showing me, and these boys are running around and shouting and dancing and flipping and all this stuff. And then he stops a minute, and he says to Bear, who's only three, he said, Bear, do you know what the zoo is? He said, no. (laughs) He did not even know. You don't even have to know all that God has for you to be joyful. It's an expression. He did not even know. But the expectation, the anticipation that something good had been offered him. You might not understand it, but something good has been offered you. A flow of abundance is offered you. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! You might not be experiencing abundance yet, but the trip is yours. Amen. It's your trip to take. Hallelujah. Now, is there any wonder why James stood up and said, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse tests and temptation, count it all joy. Because why? Joy closes the door to the enemy so you won't serve your enemies. Can I listen, listen again? Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness, a mind and heart in gratitude. Instead, not offense, gratitude. Not offended that you got your, your face in this test. Not feeling bad for yourself, but gratitude. Yeah. For the abundance of all with which he has blessed you, not all that's manifested, but all that you've been blessed with, therefore you shall serve your enemies. Because you did not. Because you did not. Not because God did not, but because you did not. You're, if we serve our enemies, it's because we didn't do something. And the first place to start, if you'll get into joy. Can I tell you this? Every, every, when I've gone through seasons of great tests in my life, do you know every time I exited out, you don't want to know how? I got into joy when the last thing I felt was joy. I spent hours a day, praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. I worship you. I thank you. Victory is mine. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Father. And I didn't feel like it. I felt like dragging myself on the ground and crying and bawling and screaming and kicking. But I'd get up every day, I mean with a cloud, just trying to rest on you. And I'd say, I praise you, Father. I thank you, Father. Why? I've got to get into joy because that's how you get the door to the enemy closed. That's how you shut him out in this season of test and temptation. Every time. It wasn't by praying in the Holy Ghost. It wasn't by somebody laying hands on me. It wasn't by some, somebody giving me a word. It was by me expressing joy when I felt none of it because that's what faith does. It dips down and draws out the joy. Listen, the joy is in you. It's not about getting it to come down. It's in you. It is a fruit of the Spirit that is in you. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Tests and trials try to diminish the flow of joy. It's up to you to stir it up. Paul told Timothy, stir up. The gift that's on the inside of you. Can I tell you this? Everything God gives you has to be stirred. 
Everything. Supply has to be stirred. Peace has to be stirred. Healing has, you have stirred up, you have stir up, stir up. It's in there. And until you stir up joy, you're not coming out of the test. That's why James said, count it all joy. Get into joy. Stir up the joy. Because that's how you close the door to the enemy. How do we get into abundance? Rejoice your way into it. I said rejoice your way into it. How is this church going to get into the fullness of the next flow that God has for it? You're going to have to rejoice your way into it. Brother Copeland stood on our platform. Now, last year he came and he prophesied about a a building that seated 10,000. This year he came and he says, I'm going to tell you how to get that building. Praise the Lord. And he took off dancing and hollering and screaming. He said, that's how you get into it. That's how you get it. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. We've been blessed with the new building, although, yeah. although it's not built yet. It's ours. We're on that trip. That trip is ours. The building is ours. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise your abundance is as close as your rejoicing. If you'll rejoice, it'll flow. If you're not going to rejoice, if you're going to complain, if you're going to gripe, you're going to let the enemy in and he'll steal it from you. Amen. But I, we're, we're not, not going to do that. We're going to listen. Amen. We're going to pay attention. Yes. We're going to be doers of the word and not forget about it Monday morning. Give yourself the habit when you're, riding, when you're riding to work in your car. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you. I mean, not, not this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Mother. I love you, Father. That kind of, that's, not, that's, not, that's not an outflow. That's, that's, just, that's just trying to make up something. You're just trying to, you're just trying to do something that, you know, pitiful. <laughs> I'm talking about your heart hooking in. Praise the Lord. Father, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. You take such good care of me. I've been blessed with everything. Thank you, Father. My need is met. I know I have a need, but I know this. I know this more. I have a supply. I have a supply. I have a supply. Thank you, Father. I'm so grateful for my supply. I'm so grateful. And when you do that, now he can manifest it. Amen. One other thing real quick, then I'm going to go, I'll, I'll turn it back over to the pastor. I know I've gone long this morning. Um, this, this fella, uh, is it Joe, is Joe, is that your name? Come, you and your wife, come up here. I looked back there early when I got up first to preach and I just, I was impressed to uh, minister to you. Father, we thank you. Uh, this is what comes up. Uh, we thank you, Father. <clears throat> Uh, what was lost, restored, and multiply. That's the phrase. Multiply, 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 multiply. Now, the pastor had shared a little bit with me, so I don't want to act like I'm totally ignorant about this, but he had shared a little bit with me about, about what some projects y'all are working on and stuff. Yeah. But this is what the Spirit said. Restored and multiplied. Multiplied. Now, let me tell you how to do it. Father, I thank you. It's multiplied to me. It's multiplied. It's multiplied, restored, and multiplied. Restored and multiplied. Restored and multiplied. Restored. Because when God said to, for, to this congregation three things to believe for, he, did, he said that it will be restored. What was lost would be restored in multiplied fashion. Don't leave out that phrase. In multiplied fashion. My Rejoice every, and, and because you know that, ha, ah, this can all be joyful and ha. Ah. 
Hallelujah. Give me your hands. Father, we, yeah. uh, we thank you. There it goes. There it goes. We thank yeah. you, Father. We thank you, Father, for it. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Ah, we thank you. And you don't have to figure out a thing. Rejoice it out. Don't figure it out. Rejoice it out. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we agree together. We speak together. Abundance flow now in Jesus' name in this church family, in these families that are part of this local church. We thank you that abundance comes for all that belongs to this era. In Jesus' name, we rejoice for it, Father. We thank you, Father. We give you thanks and everybody said amen. Thank you, Pastor.